Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. Have you been invited to interview at the UT San Antonio School of Medicine? If so, congratulations. You are one step closer to securing your spot in medical school. The interview is the last step in the medical school admissions process, but it's clearly the most important. We know that from the results of multiple studies. In granting you an interview, UT San Antonio has determined that you have what it takes to succeed academically. Now, in the interview, they'll be interested in assessing your personal qualities to determine if you have the non-cognitive skills and qualities for success as a physician. In today's podcast, I will be providing you with some very detailed information that you can use to elevate your interview performance at UT San Antonio. As always, I'm not satisfied with giving you general information, so my focus will be on the specifics, information that can help you stand out. Where does this information come from? It comes from my years of experience as an admissions committee member. It's also a product of numerous conversations I've had with admissions directors and interviewers, and it comes from a lot of research, research that I performed while writing two medical school interview books. One of these books, the Medical School Interview Winning Strategies from Admissions Committee, offers detailed strategies to help applicants deliver a compelling performance during a traditional medical school interview, like the one you'll have at UT San Antonio. Readers have really appreciated the level of detail we provide in this book, including the sample answers to commonly asked interview questions. I would now like to take the level of detail that I offer you even higher and give you some very specific advice for the medical school interview at UT San Antonio. One thing that I like to do with my mock interview medical school clients is follow up with them after their interview. I give advice and feedback and we talk about the experience and how we can build upon it. It's essentially a debriefing and strategy session all rolled up in one. From these follow-up sessions, I make a list of the questions my clients were asked on their interview day. So today, I thought it would be great if I could share with you one particularly difficult question several of my mock interview clients were asked during their interview at UT San Antonio in 2016. First, I'll present the question. Then I'll give you some background information to provide context for an effective answer. And I'll end by leaving you with a framework for answering this question. Here's the question. If you have a Jehovah's Witness patient as one of your patients, and he or she is bleeding out on the table, what do you do if you have 30 seconds to decide? What immediately comes to mind for most medical school applicants when they get when they get asked about Jehovah's Witnesses is that I must not give blood to this patient. As with many things in medicine, it's just not that clear cut. And so in our remaining discussion today, I'll show you how to come up with a powerful response to this question. Management of the Jehovah's Witness patient with serious bleeding is very challenging. There are many ethical, legal, and medical concerns for the practitioner. Before we discuss how to handle this challenging situation, let's take a step back 
and review some important information about Jehovah's Witnesses and their faith. There are over one million Jehovah's Witnesses in the United States. The Jehovah's Witness Society is a Christian denomination. It traces its origins back to 1872. In charge of the society is a governing body known as the Watchtower Society. Witnesses believe in a very strict and literal interpretation of the Bible. It is this interpretation which leads practitioners of the faith to refuse some types of medical care. For example, one passage from Genesis reads, but you must not eat blood that has its lifeblood still in it. This has been taken to mean that blood cannot be eaten as a form of nourishment. In medicine, we can nourish patients in different ways, but one form of nutrition is delivered through an IV or intravenous route. Since blood transfusions are also given intravenously, the Watchtower Society views blood transfusion in the same light as a form of nourishment or eating of blood. So this view led to a 1945 church decision, and that decision prohibited Jehovah's Witnesses from receiving blood transfusion. Many Jehovah's Witnesses believe that by accepting blood, they will give up their right to be a member of their faith and lose out any hope of eternal life. In the past, the Watchtower Society has supported the shunning and social isolation of members who violate this doctrine. In 2000, the Watchtower Society loosened its stance a bit, backing off on the excommunication of members who violate the doctrine. They wrote, and I quote, if a baptized member of the faith willfully and without regret accepts blood transfusions, he indicates by his own actions that he no longer wishes to be one of Jehovah's Witnesses. The individual revokes his own membership by his own actions. So it's important to have this context, to have this background about Jehovah's Witnesses, because we hear so much about how we shouldn't give blood to practitioners of the faith. But I find that many medical school applicants aren't familiar with the reasons why this is the case. And so this is very important that we take the time to understand where our patients are coming from and their perspectives. So now, let me give you a framework for answering this question. In any patient type situation, before you treat, you want to be sure that you respect a patient's wishes. So if the patient is awake and coherent, they can obviously tell you their wishes. In this case, you'd want to know if it's okay to stop the bleeding. Now, if the patient is unconscious and you have no information about their wishes regarding treatment, you're obliged to act in the patient's best interest, which in this case means doing what you can to stop the bleeding. Stopping the bleeding is one important issue. Transfusion is another issue. 
and is a much more difficult issue in Jehovah's Witness patients. Remember, in answering this question, you should not jump to conclusions. Many interviewees hear the word Jehovah's Witness and automatically assume that under no circumstances can these patients receive blood. Patients of all faith vary considerably in how they practice their faith. You shouldn't assume that a Jehovah's Witness patient would be against receiving a transfusion. So therefore, you need to ask the patient where he or she stands on the issue of blood transfusion. You must also ensure that the patient understands the consequences of refusing blood transfusion. It's not unheard of for a patient to go against their faith when faced with a medical threat to their life. But what if the patient is unable to tell you one way or the other? Perhaps the patient has come in with a severe bleed and is unconscious. In such cases, you can use what we call collateral sources of information. For example, you can look through the hospital record or chart, see if there's any notation or documentation of the patient's wishes. Have they made a specific request not to be transfused in the past? You should know that some Jehovah's Witness patients carry advance directive cards with them on their person, indicating their wishes for blood transfusions. Another option is contacting a relative if one is readily available. The relative can inform you of what the patient would have wanted. If you have no information about the patient's preferences and you are dealing with an emergent situation, then you need to act in the best interests of the patient. If there is no other alternative but to give blood, then you may choose to do so. Doing so is in agreement with the Healthcare Consent Act, which states that a treatment may be given without consent in an emergency. That holds true if, in the opinion of the physician, there is no means of communicating with the patient and if a delay might place the patient in serious harm. Now, whenever possible, in these difficult patient care type situations, you should involve other team members in your decision making. You should also consider consulting with the hospital's administration and legal team. Uh, in an emergent situation, you may not be able to do that before making a decision regarding blood transfusion, but you should absolutely document what happened and why you did what you did and discuss the situation with others later because there are potential legal ramifications to your actions. In general, when asked these ethical type situations, it's not a bad idea to show interviewers that you would not hesitate to confer with others. So there you have it, an approach to answering medical school interview questions about the Jehovah's Witness patient who is bleeding and may need a blood transfusion. It's a question that's been asked at UT San Antonio and is also a favorite of interviewers all across, all across the country. In closing, I want to remind you that this episode is just one in a series of episodes where I discuss interview tips for individual schools. I'm also working on an online medical school interview course. If you have any suggestions, perhaps some questions you'd like me to address in this course, 
send me an email through our contact page at thesuccessfulmatch.com. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai.